Good morning. Today is Tuesday, February 16, 2021. One day soon, we will all be back in shul. Being away, as painful as it is, will help us appreciate it more than ever before. Personally, right now, because of the limits, I am only attending Minyan about once a week when Rabbi Alex says that I'm needed. Otherwise, I defer and let others come. But when I come to Shul now, and it's not so difficult, but to be able to answer Amen, to be able to say Yehesh Me Rabbah, it's incredible. It's an amazing experience. And I hope that I don't lose that when it becomes more frequent. But being away also presents us with an opportunity to re-engineer our synagogues and to rethink our experience there. And there's a lot to think about. The only thing I'm certain of, certain of is that it will be different but we've got to figure out in what way. So here is just one sliver, one tiny part of the discussion that should be starting now as we think about restarting from scratch. How do we want to feel in shul? What do we want the experience to be? Personally, I have to tell you, I do have great trepidation over what it will be like when we're all in shul again. I worry about a number of aspects of that time, but also I do feel great excitement if we plan for it, what it can achieve. So again, just one idea to think about that comes from this week's Parsha. The Torah describes in our Parsha of Yisro the building of the Mishkan, the sanctuary that would travel with the Jewish people through the desert. Eventually, it would become the Beis Hamikdash, the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, the meeting place between God and the Jewish people. And the Mishkan was portable because it had to be taken apart and put together as they traveled and rested. And the Torah says, the Torah describes every object, its dimensions, its material, its shape. And the Torah says in our Parsha Vas, he says, Hakrashim, you should make the boards, the columns, the Mishkan, for the actual building itself. The actual building itself was made of these gigantic, large boards that were actually tree trunks that were... Uh, uh, trimmed down to the right size. Atse shitim omdim. Shitim wood, acacia wood, very strong, tall, straight tree trunks, and they were upright. It's not like it was not like a log cabin where the logs were horizontal. The logs were vertical, and they were braced together to form the structure. Rashi points out a very subtle anomaly in the Pasuk. If we read it quickly, we may not even notice it. 
Vasisa es ha kurashim. Make the boards. Ha, the hay. Hey hayadia. The specific boards. For all of the other objects, Vasisa es aron. Make the aron. Make the shulchan. Make the menorah. Why does it say make the boards? Rashi says because there were specific boards to be used. There was specific source of wood to be used. Rashi says, Me'osen ha'omdin umiyuchadim lakach. Use the boards that were designated for this purpose. Hundreds of years earlier, Yaakov avinu nata arazim b'mitzrayim. When Yaakov finally came down to Egypt, this is hundreds of years earlier, before there was even any slavery, just when Yaakov came to be able to reunite with his son Yosef in last, in, in, in near the end of uh, the book of Bereshus. When Yaakov reached Egypt, he planted trees. Ukishemes, and when Yaakov was about to die, Yaakov commanded, when you leave Egypt, Take these boards with you. Take these trees with you. Because in the future, God is going to command you to build a sanctuary. From these boards. Make sure. Make sure that you have them ready for that purpose when the time comes. And that's why the Torah says, make the specific, the boards from the specific trees that Yaakov had designated hundreds of years earlier for this purpose. Special boards, specific boards. Let me ask you a question. Why not just find wood in the desert? Why not, when you're leaving Egypt, just cut down whatever kinds of trees there are? And take them. Why did Yaakov have to plant these trees hundreds of years earlier for this purpose? Well, one answer suggested by Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky is that the entire time the Jews were in Egypt, they would see these trees planted. And they would know that they were planted earlier by Yaakov when he first came to Egypt. And they would know the purpose for which Yaakov had planted them because it was common knowledge. And they would be reminded and reassured that one day they would leave Mitzrayim. Now, of course, they had God's promise, which was transmitted orally in each generation, that God would remember them and take them out of Egypt. But they also had a visible reminder that this was going to take place. And especially as the persecution worsened and they were suffering mightily, they could look at these trees and be reminded, yes, it is terrible now, but there will be an end to it. And God promised he's going to take us out. And Yaakov planted those trees because we're going to need them when we leave. And it helped reassure the Jewish people during the entire time. But the truth is, the story of these trees goes back even further. Where did Yaakov get these trees to plant 
in Egypt in anticipation of eventually using them for the Mishkan. So I want you to listen, please, to an amazing comment made by the Medrash, Medrash Rabbah in Bereshis. When Yaakov finally learns that his son Yosef is still alive, he had mourned for Yosef for years, thinking that he had been killed. And finally, at the end of Bereshis, Yaakov gets word, Yosef, his son, is still alive. Not only is he still alive, he's second in command in Egypt. Vayomer Yisrael, and Yaakov says, Rav od Yosef benichai. My son Yosef is still alive. I, I don't know if any of us could imagine the relief and the joy and the, the depth of feeling that Yaakov had when he realized that Yosef, his son, was still alive. El chaver renu amos. I am going to hurry down to Egypt to see him before I die. I've got to go see my son Yosef. So, as we learned in the Parsha near the end of Horatius, he prepares his family, his entire family, to travel all together. They are uprooting their entire family. Everyone is going down from Israel to Mitzrayim. But the next Pasuk is very strange. By Yisai Yisrael, and Yisrael, Yaakov, and all of his family and all of their possessions, because remember, they were leaving permanently. Vayavo, doesn't say Vayavo Mitzrayma, doesn't say they went to Egypt. Vayavo Be'erashava, they went to Be'erashava. Hold on a minute. You tell me you're in a hurry to go to Mitzrayim. And by the way, remember, Yaakov was living in the south western part of Israel. Beersheva's in the opposite direction. They had to travel east to get to Beersheva before going southwest to get to Egypt. It was a detour. If Yaakov is in a hurry to get to Mitzrayim, <laughs> if you're in a hurry to get somewhere, at least start out in the right direction. If you're in a hurry to get somewhere, you don't go in the opposite direction. Why in the world would Yaakov travel to Beersheba? Only then, after traveling to Beersheba for some unspecified reason, then, seven psukim later, Yaakov leaves Beersheba and he travels down to Egypt. What's he doing in Beersheba? <clears throat> Listen to the words of the Medrash. Beersheba is the place where his grandfather Avraham had lived. Says the Medrash, Shehalach Lakots Arazim Shenota Avram Zekeno Beersheba. Yaakov went to chop down trees. Yaakov went before going to Mitzrayim. He wanted to bring trees. He wanted to bring trees that would be used eventually after the slavery, after the freedom and the exodus to build the Mishkan. But not just any trees. 
He wanted to go to where Avraham lived and take the trees that Avraham had planted. He cut them down and then once he had the trees from Avraham, then he took them down to Egypt. And it was those trees that he planted in Egypt when he reached there. And it was those trees that were used, taken by the Jewish people when they left. And when the time came to build the Mishkan, those were the trees. So their pedigree of these trees is not only Yaakov. Yaakov actually took them from trees planted by his grandfather Avraham. Because the Torah told us oh, uh, uh, earlier, Vayita Eshel Sheva, Avram planted trees in Beersheba. These are the trees. Okay. So fine. So, so, all right. They're really old trees. I understand. But Beersheba is not the only place that has trees. And Israel is not the only place that has trees. Why would Yaakov take a detour to specifically bring these trees to Mitzrayim and then to plant them and then to take them so that our Pusik and our Parsha says, Ha Krushim, the specified boards from the wood that originally came from Avraham. Why is that so important? Explains Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. These were not just any regular trees, just because they were tall and straight and strong. There are a lot of trees that are tall and straight and strong. That's not why they were chosen. These were special trees. Because they had been planted by Avraham, Yaakov's grandfather. L'shem mitzvahs chesed. For the purpose of the mitzvah of kindness. Why did Avraham plant those trees? In order, as our rabbis tell us, in order to build a structure that would welcome guests. Where Avraham could offer his hospitality. Where Avraham could welcome strangers into his home. And make them feel at home and feel welcome. And do kindness with them. The Yaakov Avinu and Yaakov Kishiratza when Yaakov wanted to do an action that would prepare during his lifetime, hundreds of years in advance, for the ultimate building of the Mishkan that would take place later, when he wanted to set the foundation, he wanted trees that had originally been planted for the sake of doing kindness, for the sake of hospitality, for the sake of making people feel good and feel welcome. The Mishkan, this tabernacle, this sanctuary, which was a place of spirituality. It was a place of serving God. It was a place that, that emphasized the relationship between man and God. It had to be built from materials that were originally intended for the purpose of not spirituality, not sanctity, not sacrifice, but kindness. 
That's when God's presence would rest on this structure, devoted to spirituality, devoted to serving God, when the materials originated with an effort to show kindness to others. Reflecting on this insight of Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, Rabbi J.J. Schachter points out, we normally think that a Jewish home is modeled on the Mikdash, on the Mishkan, on the sanctuary. The, pri the private place, our private places, should be like the public places. And there are many, many lessons that we share. I have shared with you others classic rabbinic sources share, where our homes should be like the Migdash, our homes should be like a sanctuary, a, ta a, a, a place of worship. We talk about the way in which the table at which we eat our meals should be like the Shulchan, should be like the Mizbeach, the altar, where when we enjoy our meals, we are also serving God. On Hanukkah, we discussed the idea that Every single one of us lighting a Hanukkah menorah at home is like the Kohen Gadol, the high priest himself who lit the menorah every day in the Beis Amigdash. And our home becomes the Beis Amigdash and we become the Kohen Gadol. So there's an aspect of sanctity and purity within our homes. And many, many other lessons that go along this line. And that is all true. But this message emphasizes the reverse is also true. The Mishkan, the sanctuary, the seat of spirituality and connection with God must originate in Avraham's house, the place of kindness and caring and welcoming. That's what the public space should be. The public space should reflect the values of our private space. The public space that we construct to gather to serve God has got to come from Ha Karashim, the specific boards planted for kindness and hospitality and welcome and friendship. Our shuls our synagogues must be like our homes. And if there's anything that we're going to learn after this is over, we need to bring this with us. Our synagogues need to be like our homes. Maybe not in the way that we're all wearing pajamas from the waist down, but where we welcome guests, where we respect each other, where we find ways to share kindness with ourselves and our family and others we come into contact with. That must be the basis of our public places, of our shuls. And the prayer and the Torah study and the spirituality in our synagogues will come from those values, will come from that basis of our homes, not the other way around. That's the lesson that is conveyed by this one letter, Ha Kurashim. And I hope that we will have the wisdom to figure out 
for our synagogues, what Yaakov figured out for the Mishkan in his detour to Beersheba. The basis has got to be chesed, kindness, openness, welcome, friendship, making everyone feel comfortable and welcome. That's the basis of the whole thing. And that's what we need to bring back to shul when we go there. My friends, I wish you a great day. I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.